Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? He's so good and so merciful. My voice is a little bit out, so you're going to have to just bear with me. But uh, I'm going to talk a little bit quieter, a little bit slower, so maybe some of you will be happy and be able to understand what I'm saying. But I do believe that the Lord has given us a very specific word for today. I like to have a word from the Lord. His word is the word. Everybody knows that, right? That the Bible is the word, right? I could preach out of any verse. That's the word. But I love when there's a very particular word in season, right? Who loves a word in season? It's very uh, special to me and there is an anointing, another level of anointing to the word in season. God is leading this church. I want you to know that today. I want you to know that he is with you. You are not alone. No matter what you think, and I said that there in prayer, but I'm going to say it again from the pulpit, that we're entering into 2023 here. This is day one. We've had some very strange times in these years. And yet, right, as believers, I can see mile markers. I can see points of miraculous impact in my life. And so that's a very uh, uh, special thing that I want to take with me into the rest of my life. I don't want to just look back and, de and declare the world's history for these three years, right? I want to see God's history. And it is intertwined, and yet at the same time, it's different, isn't it? God's done some things this, in this time that we must be grateful for and thankful for, and he has spared our lives, in fact. I mean, literally spared our lives, whoever's here today. And we need to just be grateful and thankful for that. We could have been a lot worse as well. You know, we really could have been way, way worse, and I believe the potential was there. I don't believe it was fear-mongering. I think that the Lord was showing us some deep and dark things even two and three years ago that I believe uh, were negotiable in the kingdom. I don't know quite how that works, but depending on the prayers, on the scales, you could sway some things. There are things in Revelation that we won't sway. For instance, Jesus will return again, and no matter how much praying against that you do, you're not going to stop him from coming back, are you? Right, praying for more time when his time comes, his time will be, right? Amen. But then there are other things and others I don't understand at all and I don't need to. But there are times and seasons and things that we go through that we can pray and put our prayers on the scales. And I believe the Lord did give us tremendous mercy. So I want to say that just to begin this, this sermon and begin this 2023, uh, that the Lord has been so gracious to us and merciful to us. In fact, um, he is so good. He's so kind. I just found myself closing out the year last night just thanking him. I was a little tired, a little out of it, and I, they were outside in the, in the, out in the living room, and I went and got into bed a little bit earlier than everyone else, and I ended up staying up, and then they came in at 12 o'clock, and we all said Happy New Year anyway, but I went into my room in that private time, and I actually was just just uh, praising the Lord, just being very, very thankful and grateful. So I'm not carrying on and on and, and trying to just be long-winded about this. I really believe that there was, that's the special. We really need to grab a hold of the Lord in 2023. And I, I think every single sermon we could say that. We need to grab a hold of Him 
But I want you to really get that we must rest in the Lord. And uh, uh, three weeks ago, I preached uh, a pre-Christmas sermon called, it's titled on the podcast, if you want to find it, God Rest Ye. And I took that from God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, talking about the rest. Um, and in the earth, we have times of rest, right? In the earth, in an earthly realm, we make, we make days of rest, right? We make moments of rest. We may even make vacations of rest. But that's not the rest that God wants us to have in him. In an earthly realm, we have times of rest. In God, we must live in rest, which means sometimes you will be at unrest, but you are still in rest. Amen. Who can testify of living through those moments where you are in unrest and yet you had rest, all right, because it's supernatural. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into that uh, shortly in this sermon. But we are, living, we are called to live in a perpetual state of rest. I want to be very clear, not relaxation, but rest, all right? Not relaxation, but rest. Uh, and then uh, the, uh, for our Christmas service, and many of you were here, uh, and so you heard it. I won't go on and on about it, but... In our Christmas service, I preached on how Mary and Joseph needed to trust God, right? They each had a word from the Lord. The Lord came to Mary. The Lord said, you're honored. This is, this is from me. Trust me. And then Joseph, he goes to him and says, this is from me. You know, your, your wife has not been sleeping around because that's what he thought had happened. That was something that could happen, right? Even 2,000 years ago, people slept around. And then they were stoned for it, a little bit different today. But he said, that's not what happened here. This is supernatural. This is from me. And so they each had a word from the Lord. And so Joseph had to trust God in that. I mean, think, you know, you think about it. I think as a man, 2,000 years ago, men were still men. And he would have been like, I really have to trust you in this because this is a little odd, right? But they trust God. And then... As I looked at in our Christmas uh, service, you know, you're trusting God, and then suddenly there's a, <laughs> there's a call for you to travel with a pregnant wife, you know, for days on carriage or camel or whatever they were riding on a bumpy road, and they get there, there's no room, they end up with the animals, right? This is a, this is a story, really, about Christ coming into the world, and we... We look at this precious little moment, and we sing songs about it, but it really was a moment where Mary and Joseph had to trust God. Because if I was in that situation, I would have certainly been, because I'm a think-out-loud guy. I don't really, I know you're going to laugh. I really don't talk a lot with people I don't know. Like, I'm not the guy that needs to talk in a room of people. I know, I know, everybody's laughing in here, because you guys all know me. But if I know you and I trust you, I'll talk. I'm a think-out-loud guy. But again, I'm not the guy that needs to be, I don't need you to know me. I'll just slip through a crowd. I'll go to the back. My inclination is the back row. That's just my nature. I know it's funny because you guys know me here. But I, just, I can easily be quiet. So, but uh, me thinking out loud, it's easy for me to uh, 
for in that moment that I would really be telling Dawn all of my thoughts, and they would be, you know, did you get the usual you heard from the Lord? Because our perception would be right now, you know, did God forget to book us a room? This is, you know, this is supposedly the greatest moment of all time. The Savior is going to be born into the world, and now we're in the back of some building with the animals. And so I don't want to re-preach that sermon, but the point is, because that, this is part of today's sermon, is that it's really about trusting God. When God gives us a word, and we have the word, we have Christ, the word. When, so when I say he gives you a word, you don't need to hear a prophetic word today. You have the word. When he gives you the word, we need to get to a place where even when it doesn't look like what we think it should, it's not happening in the time frame or the way that we think things should be rolling out. God is still God. And in fact, the most miraculous things are probably happening when you least expect it. And uh, again, that's not, I'm not just trying to review to review. Um, I have precious breath, so I'm using it cautiously, and that was important. The Lord wants us to get this uh, because what happens is that they end up in Matthew chapter 2 continuing on this kind of strange journey for the first few years of Jesus' life. For at least three years, trusting God would have required some immense faith that we don't really get to read about, but you have to read between the lines. Because in Matthew chapter 2, it says in verse 13, Now when the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, you ready for something just to blow your mind? Is everybody ready for your minds to get twisted? Who loves when you start to think about, you know, things like no time, think words like infinity, right? Your mind just starts twisting. It just doesn't, it can't do it. I don't care how smart, how wise, how level-headed you are, whatever, how peaceful you are, how crazy you are. Your mind is not capable of thinking about these types of things. And when we think about the things of God, some of the things of God are so outside of our realm of understanding, it will make your head spin and twist until it hurts. Ready for this? The only reason that Herod was going to pursue Jesus is because the wise men told him. Who sent the wise men to Jesus? They saw from a prophecy, you know, probably from Daniel is the only thing we can guess, because they have a, a prophecy about a Jew, right? Who, these were some sort of Babylonian or Chaldean uh, people. So these, are not, these were not Jews, these were not Israelites. And they traveled really far to come and find this Messiah. Herod only even knows about Jesus because they told him. Because God sent them to go in and come and worship him. And then the word of the Lord is, don't worry, Mary and Joseph, I'm with you. Uh, Herod, he can't touch you. He's not going to do anything to you. I'm going to kill him tonight. No, that wasn't the word. The word was, I want you to get up, and I want you to flee. 
and I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to leave Israel. You've already been through a little bit of probably some wondering about, you know, this Messiah that you're carrying, and now I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your safety and peace, and I want you to go to Egypt for an unknown amount of time. Now, we read the story in the future, so we're comforted, but they were probably weren't very comforted, except that they knew that the Lord was with them somehow. In some way, he was going to take care of them. I mean, my mind just starts twisting because this is what happens. So verse 14, Joseph arrives, you know, he takes, I'm just going to kind of breeze through here, but uh, verse 14, he takes and he leaves. Verse 15, and, and he waits there until the death of Herod. And it says that it until... That it, it says, verse 15, that it might be fulfilled. Everybody say, fulfilled. I don't believe that God is in heaven with a checklist of prophecies trying to fulfill them. Anybody think that? Anybody think, uh, now this is a very complex equation. How can I make all this fit together and fulfill all these prophecies at once? I don't believe that. What I believe, because God is outside of time, is that God gave people bits of information beforehand about what he already saw happened in the future. You're living out your days, but God already knows your end. How does he know that? Because he's not in time, he's outside of time. Which means when this moment was fulfilled, God didn't need to try to fulfill it. He didn't say, well, there's a prophecy about Egypt, so I'm going to have to send you there. I'm going to send you to Egypt so that I could fulfill something, right? Who believes that? Who thinks that God said, how can I make this Egypt thing work? I prophesied it. Now I have to work with it. So I guess I'll just, you know, we'll do something here. We'll send you. No, what they saw was that this was always part of his plan. And I'm not here today to try to tell you what that plan was or what the full purpose of that was. As, I mean, maybe I could tell you some things that I think I see in the word. Right? There's some connections to Egypt with the Israelites, and we could make some points, but I don't even want you to, to think about that today. What I want you to get is that God has a plan that doesn't make sense. I'm gonna, I don't want to say some of the times. I'm going to say all the time. As soon as you think you've made sense of it, God flips it upside down. Who has found that? Who's found you're trusting God, you're believing God, it feels like everything's getting in place, and then everything is now out of place? Does God, did God suddenly, you know, you know, did you stop praying, stop seeking, stop fasting? I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. It's a great time for reflection to maybe say, okay, Lord, maybe I do want to seek you more. I want to give more of my time, give more of my resources, etc. But don't just assume because things have gone crazy that you stop seeking God. Because God is working out something that we'll never necessarily understand humanly but i believe partially sure you could understand maybe in a certain fullness in the earth but he's doing something bigger and greater than we understand and that takes a certain type of rest doesn't it it takes a type of rest to know that i mean think about this we in this room believe that we're going to close our eyes one day for the last time and we're going to be with christ forever you're already in a, t in a state of rest you realize that you are living in a state of rest that the world does not have. What I want us to do is take that rest, because that's real. That is a real peace that the world does not have, but is offered to everyone. 
And I want you to take that and I want you to apply that like an ointment to every area of, your, of, your, of this body, of this life. Amen. And what happens is this, and this is where my head just continues to spin. And I know I preached on this a uh, little bit, I think, last Christmas as well. But what happens is, is uh, they go to Egypt and Herod is really angry. So in verse 16... So he sends people out, and he kills everyone, every child, male, two years old and under. I don't understand that. And yet, somehow, it, it fits into the plans and purposes of God. Did God do that? No. Listen, this is what I want you. I really feel like the Lord in 2023, wants to increase our faith. Who wants your faith increased? But what happens is, is when things happen that you don't like, ready? Things that irritate you or that are hurtful or painful, things in the earth, things personally, you may think that you are the strongest person, male or female, in the Lord, but eventually the straw breaks the camel's back and you are going to question God. It is only, it's inevitable, it is just a matter of time. Maybe it's only for a blip, but somewhere in your mind, you're going to question the whole thing, in, in fact. This whole thing that we believe God, that God loves us, that he's a savior, that he has the best for us, when these moments happen. And what I want you to do, just like we kind of needed to do in 2023, I mean, up till 2023, since 2020, we didn't put our heads in the sand, but we were putting our eyes on Christ. So it is taking your eyes off of this earth. There's a difference between putting your head in the sand and putting your eyes up. You're going to have to put your eyes up and just trust him. Moses came the same way. All the children, and you can see the parallels. God was fulfilling some prophecies. He was bringing another Moses. We don't understand that, and yet Moses delivered the people, didn't he? I'm not saying these things just to get your head confused and spinning. I want you actually to put your eyes on Christ and say, you know what? I don't need to understand everything. That's what I really believe the word for 2023 is. I don't need to understand to trust him. There are things in my life that I have questions about. I don't understand, God, why you did this. Why did you take that person from the earth? Why did you take this, uh, my name, and I had this job, I had this life set up, whatever it is, whether you're in this room or you're listening, why did I have to go through all of these things? And the devil would love to get you spinning like a top and just get you all twisted up and get you confused and ultimately get your eyes off of the Lord. And it's time to put our eyes back on him and say, I trust you. I just want to rest in you. I want to rest in a supernatural type of rest. Amen. We know this, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in the earth, even though we're living here right now. You know that every single thing is watched by the Lord. Because my word says so. It says he's numbered the hairs on my head. He knows the grains of sand on the earth. And in fact, it says that he will one day he's going to wipe away every tear, which means what? Why is he going to wipe away tears? That means God is aware of the tears and he will wipe them away means that there's a connection between what we're gone through on the earth and God in heaven. Amen. 
He's aware of it and he's going to deal with it. There is justice. This is a time of justice, I believe, as well. That word starting, I'm just hearing that word creeping out into this year. Justice is coming. The Lord's going to bring justice for things maybe in your life, maybe nationally, uh, even in the world. Who's being encouraged already? And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that I'll have the breath to keep preaching so far. So we're going to keep going here. Even the disciples didn't understand Jesus, just remember. The disciples were even questioning Jesus. They lived with him for three and a half years in the flesh, and Peter's questioning him at the table of communion. I'll never deny you, Lord. Peter, you don't even know who you are. Don't worry, because I love you, and I'm going to give you a new, <laughs> a new grip on life pretty soon. You're going to have a new commission but Peter, you don't even know what's inside you. You don't even know you, let alone know me and God's plan for my life. Wow. But the Lord was with him, wasn't he? And gracious and merciful. And I was just thinking about Paul. I was just meditating on Paul. One of my most favorite stories is the worst thing that Paul went through when he gets into the Euroclidon, right? Gets into the twister on the sea. What I love about this story, you remember when Paul... He's seeking the Lord, and he's like, Lord, I want to go to Asia. You know, there's probably a lot of prayer and fasting and planning going on. I've, I highly doubt when we read in the scriptures, the Lord prevented me twice from going to Asia, that it was that he would just packed his bags one morning and set off, especially Bible times. You know, we have to plan in these times. Imagine then the planning going on. And I don't know if the Lord let him plan for a year or a day. It doesn't really matter, but I guarantee he planned. And the Lord prevents him. Now, the Lord is so good that the Lord rewards him. Forgive me, Lord. I'm making a joke just to make a point. Don't put this on me, God. The Lord was so good to Paul. He's like, I'm going to reward you for not going where you wanted to go. You're going to go where I want to go. So I'm going to put you, I'm going to shipwreck your, your ship. I'm going to put you in the ocean for about two weeks. I'm going to send you off to the shore. And when you get there, everybody's going to be cold. You're going to try to be a nice guy and start a fire. We're going to have a viper come out and bite your hand, just so you know. Now, the worst thing we could do is be like, oh, gee, Lord, thanks. Right? I'm being silly on purpose. The point is that, obviously, that was God doesn't work like that. You do a good deed. Don't expect a reward. You do what God has asked you to do. You're doing it because it was the right thing to do, and that's it. Many times I walk in rewards from him, and many times I walk through hard times, and I cannot start to assume as his son that I've done something wrong, although I first, of course, I ask him and I go before him. You just have to rest in the Lord. If you are in the right place and you're seeking God, you have to come to a place where you're resting and knowing that God is with you. And what happens? Why I tell I said that's one of my favorite stories because that's not the end of the story. See, in the world we look at that as the end of the story. We tell you we love telling everybody all the bad things that happen. Right? The news only exists because of drama. Good news doesn't last very long. Right? Go search for it. Well, the good news was that the island of Malta needed a move of God. And guess what? There's a guy that God's got perfect for the job. God's got a guy who's been trained through adversity, who can, he can take a prisoner ship and bring it to Malta, and the entire island is, has this incredible move of God because of Paul's faithfulness to the Lord. Wow. 
that's truly trusting and resting in the Lord. I was thinking, meditating on a very deep, deep, deep thought that I can't fully grasp. It is so deep that it's hard for me to even talk about. World War II, we lost roughly 70 to 85 million people. I want you just to sink, I want that to sink in for just a moment. 70 to 85 million people. Look at the scar on this nation from 9-11, where we lost just about 3,000 people. What a scar that leaves. You know, it, we go 100 years away, and suddenly it just becomes, you know, we don't realize the seriousness. You know, it's just, it's easy to look at, watch it on, in movies, maybe cry for a moment, and then just move on, right? And we don't realize what a crazy thing was happening in the earth. And yet... A nation that was gone for nearly 2,000 years was reborn only, listen, you have to realize something, only because of World War II. The nation of Israel that exists today in the land of Israel, this is history, it only exists because of World War II. That is the, that's the story. The story is that 2,000 years ago, after they crucified Christ, God said finally, you know, and it was prophesied around 70 AD, right? Finally, I'm, I can't, I have to deal with you. God's a God of justice. And he had given them grace after grace after grace after grace. But finally, they're dispersed, right? That's history. And Israel became inhabited by uh, Rome and then uh, multiple Muslim nations and so on, all the way up until 1940s, talking 1900 and change years, that Israel was just absorbed into Europe mostly and into the U.S., but especially Europe at that time, most of the Jews in the U.S., Today, the, the bigger population is because of World War II when, they, when that happened. And so you have something that I just don't understand, like World War II, but it brings about something that had never happened in history. You realize nations don't just get reborn. People don't just give back land. Oh, here, by the way, here's land. And you can just come and have it, and you guys can become a threat to us as surrounding nations, like they are today. It does not happen. And yet, one of the greatest uh, atrocities, I don't have a better word for it, of all human history was the reason that they are in that land today. So I just want to inspire you. I don't want to weigh on you, but I want to inspire you that you have no idea what God can do through the worst things that either you've been through personally or the world has been through. I don't know what 2023 holds, but I can tell you this. If World War II can create the nation of Israel, then I don't know what God is going to do through this time, but I know 
it has the potential at least, and I believe him because we're people of faith, that he's going to do it. Something incredibly miraculous through what we've been through as a world in these few years. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amazing, amazing, amazing. I just, I can't grasp it though. I mean, I'm telling you it, but there's something even deeper. It's a deeper level than I can, I'm telling you in words, but it doesn't really make sense. I just want you to let that set in today. And I'm not going to do much more talking here. I believe that the Lord led us today, and I'm talking about rest. And uh, I'm not a huge signs guy. Maybe some of you would think I am because I talk about signs from time to time. But I'm not a big, like, signs guy. What I mean by that is I don't look around for signs every single day. But when they hit me, I become aware I am aware because maybe because I'm not always trying to find them. So when they show up, I stop and I take notice. Now, sometimes it's just a passing sign that doesn't mean anything. It's just meaningless. Sometimes it's something God has for a moment. And sometimes, sometimes it's something deeper. Well, I really believe that the Lord put for day one, 2023, Psalm 23. So I want to just go ahead and just read it. It's only a few verses. But Psalm 23 is, I believe, if not for today, then, I mean, if not for the whole year, then certainly for today. Okay, I believe that he's going to, he's giving this to us, and I'm going to expound on it here just for a moment. But let's just read it. Let's just read Psalm 23, verse 1. And it says in the NLT, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I mean, we just stop right there. 23-1. The 23, 23rd year, day one. There's our verse. The Lord's my shepherd. I have all I need. I want you just to stop and think for a minute. Before we even read those, these, only, these only five, you know, five other verses here. Verse 1 says everything. The Lord's my shepherd. That's it. The Lord is my shepherd. I think it's funny. I thought it would be worth telling you because uh, I totally forgot about this until I brought it the parallel. So I have the New King James open at the same time right here in front of me. I have a parallel Bible. So on my left side is the NLT, and on my right side is the New King James Version. And the New King James Version is probably what most of you were born and raised with or heard. Maybe it's on plaques. You know, even AA still says these type of things. But... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who's ever heard that verse? Well, when I was a kid, I thought, I don't understand that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Let's, hear, let's see if you guys can hear what I heard as a kid. The Lord is the shepherd I don't want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I never could get it. I was like, why is this a good verse? And I never understood it. I'm telling you, I don't know what age it finally clicks, but clicked. But I would hear it, and they'd be like, why wouldn't I want him? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But I, I'm reading that now to tell you this. I don't have any wants. The Lord takes care of every need and every want. It says that he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. We love verse 2. 
who loves verse 2, right? And that's the most famous one. Well, not necessarily the most famous one, but that's the one where we get the most comfort in. Then, you know, this comes up during dark times, verse 4. But I think it's so powerful because it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Or you may know it as, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Who has walked through the valley of the shadow of death in these last three years, really? It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he goes on to say that you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love, and you may know it as goodness and mercy, will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's so special, isn't it? I said to the Lord, sometime yesterday morning, I said, Lord, is there a specific, you know, I just felt rest. I felt rest. I just feel like to say rest. And not that we need to, like, take a time of rest. We just had a time of rest for Christmas week. It's like, no, there's, it's rest. It's the rest you were talking about. I know that you want me to talk about that. And, and uh, he just dropped in my spirit, Psalm 23. And I was like, wow, 23, 23. And it just clicked. And what I want you to hear is this. I don't want you to find rest in the green meadows, in the peaceful streams. I want you to find rest in the shepherd. He said, he lets me rest in green meadows and peaceful streams. But verse 1 said, the Lord is my shepherd. Because immediately, verse 4 you know, NLT says, even when I walk, which means it's going to happen. Uh, the New King James, more traditional text, just says, though I walk, as if it's happening right now. Maybe talking past tense, maybe it's present tense. What is this saying to me? It's saying that sometimes it's going to be easy, and sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes there's a light ahead of me. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes I have all that I perceive to need. And sometimes I have what I really need. I want you to say that out loud with me. I didn't make you guys repeat me much today. Ready? Sometimes I have what I perceive to need. But sometimes I have what I really need. And that is a promise from the Lord for you for this year. Every need will be met. There will be, t I love when he gives me what I think I need. <laughs> but we can be assured that he will give us every single need. He is so good, isn't he? He's so kind. He's so merciful.